the Pilot Life Podcast, the show that covers all topics of aviation. My name is Ray Maldonado, professional pilot and instructor. Thanks for tuning in and making your choice to become a better pilot. In this show, we do not only motivate and inspire, but give insight to the aviation lifestyle. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Pilot Life Podcast segment of the show where I get to talk about my past experience, the jump seat. So today is a unique story that I thought I'd share with you guys. A time a student almost punched me in the aircraft. Small disclaimer, no flight instructors were harmed during the making of this show. And yes, this did actually almost happen. I was a fairly new flight instructor at the time. I must have got my certificate... A couple months ago, this was in the summer, I want to say July or August. And the background to this story is really interesting. Because the way this all happened was very unexpected. He never laid hands on me. He did want to, though. He got very upset. But I'll explain all of this in just a second. So the duty of a flight instructor, the responsibility that they have, is to teach to the highest capability possible. Somebody is literally paying you to teach them in the airplane. So you want to deliver. You want to give them the best knowledge, the best experience. What you want to have is a returning student. Because as they get to return with you, you get to fly with them some more. Note two, and this is something that I could go ahead and vouch for, is that no two students I ever had were ever the same. And that's what makes it so unique. And that's a part that I used to love about teaching. This guy in particular, he had a lot of trouble scheduling flight lessons. And I've seen him before there in the lobby of our flight school. Everybody always met up there. That was like the focus point where everybody would meet up, complete your weight and balance. That's where you go ahead and pay your account, schedule your next flight. And I saw him there a couple times before. Probably interacted with him, said hi here and there. And what he was struggling with in particular was just getting on the schedule. Scheduling with his specific instructor, actually. And then one day he was in there. He's like, hey, do you mind if I go ahead and schedule with you? I had an opening. I'm like, sure, let's go on up. No problem. He was doing all his training in a uh, Cessna 150. And I remember a couple days later then our lesson came up. We went out there. And at this point, it's been a couple days since he flew. Yeah, it must have been at least a couple days, if not a week or so. But again, because he was having trouble scheduling the lesson. He goes out there, does his pre-flight. We talk about it. We talk about the weight and balance. We talk about the performance numbers. And we jump into the airplane. Honestly, the, the starting, the startup of the aircraft went well. ATC, you know, there's nothing that really pops out in my mind that there was any red flags or any trouble on the ground. He was just a new student, you know. I was there to help him out. Honestly, there was no red flags up until the incident happened. <laughs> so we go out. What did we do? We went down south to the practice area, did a couple maneuvers, because I think he specifically wanted to work on the landings. So we go out there, do a couple stalls, make sure he's good. Steve turn. I, I was happy with everything I saw. I'm like, hey, man, for the low time that you have at the level that you're currently at, you're doing great. If you like, let's go ahead and turn around. Let's head back to the airport and let's work on our landings. On our way into the airspace of the vicinity of the airport, that's when our, I guess my first clue was, is that he was getting very flustered the closer that we got to the airport. Nothing wrong with that. I, I totally get it. You're brand new. There's a lot of things going on. You're with a new instructor. ATC is spitting out all kind of different languages at you. 
not really. It's English. Everybody just thinks when they're learning a different language since it happens so fast. And I helped them out on the radios a little bit, but and I told him, I'll take the radios. You go ahead and just focus on flying. I just wanted to see him do the landings. If I remember correctly, we did maybe one or two. You know what? Honestly, God, it could have been the very first landing that we took. Regardless, downwind, he starts configuring a little bit early, gets his flaps in, his speed's starting to slow down. And then we're starting to turn base. As we're turning base, this is where it actually happened. He gets very, very slow. For those of you that actually flown a Cessna 150, you know in order to get slow in that airplane, you let the aircraft speed bleed off, the pitch of the nose is probably high, and then the characteristics, the handling characteristics of that aircraft is very sluggish. So the best thing to do there is just pitch the nose down, let the airspeed do its thing, and you'll be just fine. The base to final turn is a notorious, a notorious area to have a stall happen, especially when you're slow. And it's one that is definitely talked about time and time after again. There's many accident studies done about this. So if you guys have never heard about the dreaded base to final turn, the reason why the base to final turn is such a concern for all pilots is because you could put yourself in a situation you actually can't recover from. When you're coming into land, turning base to final, you're fully configured, you're slow, and you're low to the ground. The three perfect conditions for you to put yourself in a stall that you cannot recover from. So as you turn base to final, you start introducing 20, 30 degrees of bank angle to the aircraft, right? Just to give you guys an idea, 45 degrees of bank increases your stall speed by 20% and 60 degrees of bank increases your stall speed by 40%. Now, in a regular base to final turn, you shouldn't be anywhere near that kind of bank angle, but if you're at 20 or 30 degrees, you should know already your stall speed has increased. At that given moment, you don't know how much your stall speed has increased by, you should just be aware that it has gone up. But as long as you're in a coordinated turn, bank angle no more than 30 degrees, with the aircraft trimmed out nose down, your airspeed won't ever be an issue. If you want to learn more about this turn, Bold Method has a great article out about it. It's called How to Prevent a Disaster on Your Base to Final Turn. Because this is the exact situation that was happening to me. Everything was fine. We're coming in. I'm telling the guy, I'm like, hey, you need to push the nose down. The reason I wanted him to push the nose down is because we needed that airspeed to go back up. He was getting too slow. The nose was getting too high. It's all about pitch, power, and trim when you fly an airplane. And he was not managing his airspeed efficiently. So I was telling him, hey, man, let's go ahead. Let's drop that nose. In a matter of about 10 to 20 seconds, I must have told him about four or five times, there was no change. And I was trying to figure out if he was soaking up everything that I was communicating to him, or did he have tunnel vision where he was so laser focused on the runway? 
And I've seen this before where some people become so focused and they create this tunnel vision for themselves they happen to block out everything going on around them. For instance, ATC or even their instructor communicating important information to them. Hence why I kept trying to get across to him, get the nose down, I keep looking at that airspeed and it keeps creeping up. And as it creeps up, that means we're slowing down. It got to the point where we were almost outside of that white arc. And at that point, it's about less than 40 knots of airspeed. And that's just totally unacceptable because if your instructor is telling you to do something, most likely it's for the safety of the flight. Not just because he's being a picky or he's being a jerk, but it's for the interest of everyone. So after I tell him three times, he still doesn't push the nose down. So what do I do? I start pushing on the yoke. So I pushed on it and I tapped it. I'm like, hey man, push the nose down. As soon as I did that, this poor guy snapped. He snapped, he looked at me and he just started yelling. He was really screaming at me. And again, as a new instructor, I, first of all, I didn't believe this was happening. <laughs> I was into shock. And then the other thing was, wow. As a CFI candidate, going through training to become a CFI, this was the exact moment that they would talk about. And at that point, I already knew the lesson was over. Learning had stopped. We had to get on the ground. And I had to debrief this guy in the best manner possible. Because any instructor's first job is safety. Safety of the flight. I guess that little tap that I did into the yoke, he snapped. And that's okay. Because every instructor will not be a fit for each student, and each student will not be a fit for each instructor. But the way he was coming at me, after that, I took the controls, I was like, hey, my airplane, my controls, and I told Tower, this is going to be a full stop landing, we're done here. Because if somebody is screaming to you, in your ear, while you are teaching them, two things just happen. First of all, he is checked out. He is not in the mental state to learn anymore the second one is he just created also a hostile environment and that is not good for the instructor or for the student and it should be taken totally out of the airplane once we landed on the ground i didn't say a word i was just quiet i wasn't going to argue with the guy we parked the airplane i told him go ahead shut it down we'll talk while we're inside he shuts down the airplane does his checklist i'm inside just still kind of in shock coming down from it thinking what did i say what did i do because I generally felt kind of bad if I angered him. I was like, well, was there anything I could have done differently? Was it something that I said to the guy? Was it my actions? There had to be something that triggered his reaction. And before he walked in, I just wanted to have a head start in my mind of where did I go wrong? Because I felt as an instructor, I personally had failed. I failed him as a student because we couldn't complete our lesson. Then the more and more I kept replaying the situation and the incident in my head that I realized, and I still believe to this day, I did nothing wrong, although maybe I could have communicated a little bit better to get to him. Now again, everybody is different, and apparently the way that I thought was going to be the most effective way to communicate with him was not, and instead it triggered a reaction in him. 
I never had negative intentions. My only priority there was safety of flight and his experience, that he got the best experience possible. So there I am inside waiting for him to finish up his shutdown checklist, and then we're going to go ahead and start a debrief. Please keep in mind that this story and this encounter, this incident that happened to me, happened years ago. About three years ago, if I remember correctly now, a little bit over, a little bit over three years. And it is one that has stuck with me, and it was a great learning opportunity for me, honestly. If anything, that's exactly what it was, a huge learning moment for myself as an instructor. Like I mentioned, he was outside doing ha- doing his shutdown checklist. I was waiting for him inside. As soon as he came on in, I was really hoping that he's calmed down. He had more of a clear mind coming on in. And in reality, he was still about the same. He was still very upset and he was still in that mood to fight. So we sat down. I tried to get through to him the best that I could, but he was so set on telling me how bad of an instructor I was and how I should never touch the controls or tap on the yoke. He was very set on that. And regardless of what his stance was, what I did was due to the safety of the flight and the safety of both people in that airplane. Regardless of the outcome, I'm still very thankful that scenario and that situation happened to me because it did make me a better instructor and it did better prepare myself if I ever run into a situation like that ever again. So I know that I'm ready. I know how to handle it. Instead of maybe letting him continue to let that airspeed drop and get slow, I'm just going to take the airplane all together and say my airplane. So, but I am ready for the next one, regardless. I wish that student the best of luck. I think... A couple months later and a year later, I found out that he did end up getting his private pilot's license, which is great. The best of luck to him. If you guys enjoyed today's story, please let me know by sending me an email at thepilotlifepodcast at gmail.com or leave me a comment on Instagram and TikTok at thepilotlifepodcast. I have many, many other stories I like to share with you guys, like fairing airplanes across the country or finding myself in a situation where I cannot restart one of the engines on the airplane. If you guys are interested in those, just let me know. Until next time, guys, talk to you soon.